Starting a business is not for the faint of heart. It can be tough, especially when you start thinking about the legal side of things. There's so many different areas, corporate and commercial law, employment, HR laws, cybersecurity, privacy, data, IP, business tax, business immigration, wills and estates. Oh my God, my head is going to blow up. Well, have no fear, friends. Our next guest is going to talk to us about law within the context of startups. Welcome to Shift. operating officer at Good Lawyer. Awesome. So tell us, what is Good Lawyer? Well, Good Lawyer is, we like to say, where founders go for specialized legal expertise at prices they can trust. It's a managed marketplace business model, so you know I can use that description of it when I'm talking to people that are sort of more familiar with uh, startup world and tech world, that, that sort of description of a business model resonates. Essentially, what we try to do is we connect startup founders and small business owners with specialized legal expertise, so lawyers that have experience assisting customers like them with the area of need or the technical area of law that they have uh, issues with. We run that through our platform, um, and we encourage and require our lawyers to deliver their services in a technology-enabled way, so it's more efficient, uh, hopefully friendlier, um, quicker, and ultimately much more reasonably priced. It's transparent. All of the fees are up front. So from the startup founder business owner's perspective, um, really for the first time in this space, you have ability to budget for your legal needs. That's awesome. How does it work exactly? So I download an app. What what happens? Yeah, we're a web-based platform today. Um, So there's really two pathways that customers come through um, and use the Good Lawyer platform. One is through our website, and our website, I think, has a a great sort of uh, user interface that's designed to guide a startup founder, a business owner, um, through our booking funnel to ultimately match with um, the lawyer that has the right area of expertise, the right industry experience to assist you with whatever your sort of nuanced need might be. So if you want to start a business, we'll get you to um, a lawyer that has experience structuring and creating businesses. If you need employment agreements, we get you to an employment lawyer. The second pathway where customers come in through our platform um, is through our legal concierge team. Our legal concierge is really the uh, brand that we've used to describe our customer experience team. And those guys, I think, really deliver um, the ultimate kind of user experience for getting into the Good Lawyer Network because they know our lawyer network so well because they invest their time in getting to know our customers really well, understanding what your business looks like, understanding what not only your legal need is today, but what they might be in the future, and using all that information to really align effective matches in our, in our lawyer network. So when I first heard of Good Lawyer, my first thought was, you know when you go to AMA and there's a piece of paper and then they're like, you can just do your will. Right? You just fill it out, and it's just automatic. 
So is that kind of the idea, but digitized? It's it's helped me get my business up and running in a quick and easy kind of way, or is it really customizable? How does it work with you guys? Yeah, well, that's a great question, and I think we actually we span a large range of services, some of which would fit into and replace kind of that um, do-it-yourself, fill-in-of-standard form and, and get the job done. Um, the key area where we're leveraging technology to do that in a really streamlined way today is through our business formation products. So if you're a you know new startup founder or, or business owner, you have an idea, you're ready to incorporate and, and start sort of... Um, you know, turning that dream into something legit, getting incorporated is really step one, creating that entity. And what we've done is we've built a software platform that guides you through that process. And what we've tried to do is take a lot of the individual kind of customization out of that process. We've seen, and, you know, not just through the platform, but through our respective collective experience, you know, thousands of clients, um, and we've got a really good idea of the structure that's going to work for most of them. And so if you want to self-serve and use our platform um, to form a new business, we can guide you through that process with our technology. We also offer really complex services that you know, don't lend themselves to um, you know, technological standardization and software processes today. They require human intervention because they're um, highly customized, highly complex, a lot of different variables to weigh, and in those cases, you know, we're way superior to downloading a template off the internet or, or trying to use, you know, some other software solution because you're getting human intervention, but also experienced human advice. You know, we've got lawyers on the platform that have been advising businesses for 20, 30 years of practice. They've seen it all, and they can ask questions and provide advice into areas and uh, pathways that some of our startup founders and business owners might never have considered, you know, a negotiation position or a unique structure or, um, you know, a unique vehicle to raise capital or something like that. What does your ideal client look like? That's a great question, and this is something that took us um, almost an embarrassing amount of time to, to figure out. And I say almost embarrassing because our ideal customer looks a lot like us. Um, it's an early stage startup that has ambitions to grow and uh, you know deliver their services or their product or their widget or their SaaS solution, whatever it may be, you know in multiple jurisdictions um, that has you know a high degree of complexity that is going to require um, capital to support and build their business. That's going to require a team that maybe has some intellectual property aspects to it. And that touches on all these areas of expertise that we've focused on in terms of recruiting our talent and recruiting our lawyers. So if you have a, you know, a great idea that requires corporate commercial support, you want to hire a team, you have a, a brand or an invention that needs protecting, you know, you're touching on corporate law, you're touching on corporate finance, you're touching on employment law and intellectual property, and businesses with all of those types of needs fit exactly where we want to help out and where we're really well suited to help out. Well, and I know a lot of law firms too, they have one or two specialities, not all of the, them like that you're, um, you're describing here. So that's a really great benefit for a customer mm-hmm. and a client. 
So it's one one shop, one stop shop for you guys. That's absolutely what we're trying to build. And you know, in a lot of our messaging, we juxtapose what we've built relative to the traditional law firm model. And that's not to say that you know the traditional law firm model is evil by any means. Actually, there's some really great things about it, and one of which is you know this ability to be a one stop shop, uh, where myself and um, you know Brett and and other members of our team came from was big law and the best thing about big law is you know when you start getting a critical mass of lawyers you've got a hundred five hundred a thousand lawyers in your network you start pulling together all these unique niche areas of expertise and that is fundamentally the best thing from the big law model that we can offer and make accessible to early stage businesses and small business owners who are more accustomed to working with a boutique small law firm or an independent practitioner that you know might bill themselves as a general practitioner uh, but we think you know working with sort of the the jack of all trades for something like your complex startup or, or business needs is uh, you know obviously not not the way to go yeah um, where did the idea of good lawyer come from where did it what is the seed of good lawyer yeah uh, the idea from good lawyer really started Many years ago now, uh, while we were in law school, I say we, it's Brett's story, but I was, I was there because Brett and I went to law school together at the University of Alberta, and we went through a very similar experience, and you know, it's a story that I think still happens in law schools today, which is you get to law school, and it is the first time you're exposed to and you understand this idea around the access to justice crisis. The access to justice crisis in Canada and North America um, really uh, means that somewhere around 75 to 80 percent of people's legal needs go completely unmet, completely unsupported, no legal uh, advice or intervention at all. So that was, you know, shocking to learn about and, and really step one in the story. The flip side to that was you get to law school and, you know, you've got in, in our case, 150 classmates all in first-year law, all extremely you know, type A and competitive, and we're all gunning for a very small number of highly coveted jobs. So you're getting two messages that don't align at the same time. One is there's somehow too many of us in law school, there's too many lawyers, and yet there's 80% of legal needs going unmet. And that was really the, the seed that sort of started this thought process around how do we do this better? Because there's obviously this total market imbalance or misalignment. And that was something that Brett, you know, researched and studied uh, and wrote about throughout law school. And over time, um, you know, 2019 is when Brett left the, the large law firm to start building this seriously. That idea germinated into, yeah, let's build the marketplace. Let's be the broker Let's be the platform that is the trusted advisor that you know helps helps realign that that market mismatch of all this unmet legal need and all of these lawyers that are out in the marketplace that are um, you know looking for customers that are desperate to work with engaging complex new businesses and uh, and to grow their respective practices. You know, we look at lawyers like they're entrepreneurs too. That's really interesting. Um, you might not be able to answer this, but why do we have that unmet need, that great unmet need? 
Yeah, I think the fundamental story behind the access to justice crisis is that over time, the traditional model has evolved in such a way that it's really set up to support and deliver services for very large enterprises. And that sort of orientation in the profession um, means that the costs of legal services and the accessibility of legal services have really skyrocketed. Um, the profession, too, is very much rooted in precedent and tradition. Like, that's how legal decisions are made and evolved over time. We did it this way once, and we decided that that was a good decision, and then everything should, should follow that. So because, you know, part of it is that high-cost nature, um, the other part of it, we're rooted in tradition, and because of that have been slow to adapt and adopt sort of um, more innovative models for service delivery. And so, you know, I, I can give you a, you know, a tangible example of that. COVID was the first time, um, you know, as we all moved online and, and were uh, forced to work from home, that the legal profession was really forced to grapple with how do we do business uh, virtually. So many processes, whether it were courtroom processes or uh, transactional processes in sort of the business side, were still done with, you know, wet ink, hand signatures, face-to-face meetings. Um, you know, we're at a board table right now. Um, I used to do deals, and when it was time to close a transaction, we would fill up an entire boardroom table like this, full of paper, and we'd walk a client around the table to individually sign each one of those documents. And today, you know, and we learned through, through COVID, through practicing in that context, you can close deals, you can manage disputes, you can do court processes virtually, you can do electronic signatures, you can do video chats, um, and that really, you know, gave the profession a kick in the butt. But that, you know, that's, that's table stakes in so many other different industries, and so we're really just getting started in terms of... Um, introducing some technological disruption into the legal industry and I think that's going to be a core piece to solving this access to justice issue. Yeah. Well, and I think, I guess I would be... um maybe a little concerned about um, the restrictions that I know the Law Society of Alberta has with innovative practices, right? So in a past life, I was a legal assistant, and I can remember using a typewriter to to adjust certain documents because I was not allowed to do it digitally. Oh my goodness. Right? I was. <laughs> it was so bizarre and so backwards, or I remember having to print every single bit of correspondence, and we would have like our car, like our footprint on on printing costs was just unreal. Um, so how how is the this the ecosystem adapting to innovative law practice? Yeah, well that's a that's a um, that's a funny story, but I, I totally believe it. I, I've seen it. Uh, I remember I remember partners asking assistants to print emails so that they could physically have printed emails live on a client file. So I, you know, I talked a little bit about how, you know, the, the impact that, you know, moving and operating businesses online during the COVID period has had. Um, I think to really address this, it, it requires the whole profession to move in this direction. So, you know, we are um, one actor in this space. We think we have a very innovative business model. We're telling 
uh, the story about legal advice and support in a very different way than you've heard from a lot of more traditional law firms. There are other, you know, small law firms and boutique law firms that are that are moving this way. You know, some headlines on LinkedIn and stuff about guys trying to, you know, open an office in the metaverse. But fundamentally, everybody has to come together on this, and we are starting to see it. Uh, a big move in this direction from law societies themselves. You know, they are the regulators and really the gatekeepers in the profession. And it's encouraging to see that move happening. Um, that move looks like different things in different jurisdictions. So Alberta for us actually is quite a friendly jurisdiction, the way the, the regulations are set up here and, and the guidance that we've had from the Law Society of Alberta has been supportive of our, our model. Um, but some of the different jurisdictions um, have uh, the, the, I should say, the rules are not uniform across all of the jurisdictions in Canada. So one is creating uniformity around um, how the profession is regulated across Canada. That would be super helpful. Um, some of the law societies recognize that they need to make changes. They need to make innovative changes fast because they're looking at their constituents, you know, our mandate as a profession is fundamentally rooted in the public interest. Help people is what being a lawyer is about. That's why the legal profession exists. And so when you are sitting there as a regulator, you see, well, we're not helping 75 to 80% of the constituents in our jurisdiction. And some of the reason behind that is because we have laws and rules that restrict paralegals, for example, from doing really basic administrative-oriented, rule-following-oriented legal processes. And, you know, lawyers aren't doing that stuff um, cost-effectively, uh, efficiently, and fast, which means more underserved people. So let's think about opening up, you know, those restrictions to allow more providers to come into the space, to allow technology to come into the space. So I, to me, it has to be a sort of a holistic shift from the whole profession. I think we're at the early stages of seeing that happen in Canada. We have regulatory sandboxes being created in you know, uh, British Columbia, Alberta, Ontario, uh, with the idea of saying, you come to us uh, as an entrepreneur, as an as a alternative, they call them alternative service providers, you come to us with ideas and we will suspend our regulations for a period of time here to test and see whether um, your innovative idea helps people in the way that you say that it that it does, and then we'll evaluate whether we should change regulations uh, to accommodate that that business model. So, um, I'm not an enormous fan of the sandbox because I think it introduces um, um, an extra hurdle and slows the process, uh, but. It is a good start. It's certainly better than the status quo that we've seen for a long time. We're just going to take a wee break for some station identification and talk about some friends of ours over at Rainforest Alberta and their podcast, Leaders, Innovators, and Big Ideas. The Rainforest podcast showcases those who are contributing to and or supporting the innovation ecosystem in Alberta. Rainforest Alberta is a world-class community of dreamers and doers connected by a common goal of making Alberta fertile ground for building, developing, and growing innovative ideas into sustainable ventures. 
Well, friends, I hope you're learning a lot. Now, here's part two with Joshua Weinberger from Good Lawyer on Shift. I'm encouraged about the, the innovative practices that you, you're, you're describing here. Um, one of the things that I really like about Good Lawyer is, and I think that your superpower as a company is in your friendly um, outward, your accessibility, right? It's when I, when I see you guys online, it's not intimidating, right? And I feel like for a lot of people, going to a lawyer can be very intimidating, very scary. And if this is their first time having to interact with it, um, so I think that is that something that is really important to your business model? Is that something that you guys are encouraging? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's music to my ears to hear that that's been your experience and, mm-hmm. and that messaging resonates through some of the stories that we're telling in our marketing, you know, through YouTube, LinkedIn, Instagram, wherever it's happening. Uh, events like this when we're, when we're talking with people. Um, our whole idea is to deliver things in a much more approachable and accessibility, uh, you know, use that word a few times. That's, that is the root of our business model. You know, 80% of people can't access legal services. Well, let's use technology to make it more accessible. At the same time, let's tell the story about legal advice and support and expertise in a way that also feels more accessible. So, you know, let's try to use less legalese in the way that we describe what we do, let's actually provide more legal education. And that's something that uh, has been a huge kind of cornerstone of our brand and our marketing over the last probably year and a half or so, which is let's actually arm our network and our customers and our, our followers and this ecosystem of startups that we're a part of with enough knowledge that they can really Um, you know, start assessing some legal risk in their own business so that they can better understand and articulate the value of legal services and and what it brings to their their business and so that they can have, you know, uh, open and confident conversations with their advisors. We want, you know, our customers to understand, you know, what a safe agreement looks like and, you know, why it may be founder-friendly or investor friendly in the context of a financing round we want them to understand you know that employment law you know varies slightly from province to province we want them to understand that you know building your business and accreting value in a business before you're incorporated uh, doesn't make sense you know that's not a good idea and here's the reasons why um so it's it's totally a part of um our brand. I'm glad to hear that it's resonating. It's something we'll continue to lean into, um, and it, yeah, it's uh, it's definitely at the root of who we are. Well, I think it's so interesting too. Like you guys, as you are growing, you're your own startup, and you're supporting startups. Like you are just so integrated with this uh, ecosystem, both from a business perspective mm-hmm. and from a personal perspective, because that's what you're trying to do as well. So I, I really think that's really unique for startups in general. Yeah, well, that's cool to hear. And that's why I was saying earlier, like, I'm almost embarrassed in how long it took us to identify (laughs) our ideal customer. Because, you know, we are the ideal customer. And, uh, you know, when this idea first started, um, we wanted to, you know, really ambitiously, and I I imagine, you know, a lot of business owners and, and startup founders start out with this same sort of idea, 
we can solve every problem, mm -hmm. which meant, you know, we were going to do this for family law. We were going to do this for uh, helping people, you know, buy and sell at home. We were going to do this if you had insurance claims or issues. We were doing every area of law. And ultimately, we realized, you know, we can't do the best job doing that. We can't actually deliver this uh, totally differentiated experience that we're after. Um, but we're corporate lawyers, and in our sort of initial um, founding team and the legal expertise was corporate lawyers. More broadly in that founding team and supporting team, the interest is in building businesses and startup world and technology. So to take a step back and say, well, this is where our core you know, technical expertise is. This is where our team's passion and interest lies. This would be so much fun to just narrow down and really engage in the startup world, um, build our business in public. You know, that's part of the story that we're telling as well. You know, we share our challenges and our wins and our team growth and all these things with the ecosystem. Again, it's uh, you know, supporting the supporting that kind of startup culture, our community, and um, you know, that educational aspect as well. The more startup founders can learn from us from a legal perspective our journey how we market um, that fits with our ultimate mission which is let's help let's help entrepreneurs succeed as much as we can so speaking of startup life you pitched this morning and it was awesome congratulations on just having an amazing pitch thank you so tell us what are you you're currently raising yeah uh, well we've got a really interesting uh, fundraising journey happening at the moment um, we set out at the end of the first quarter here identifying that um, based on our traction and our growth it was time to start fundraising and exploring opportunities to raise another round of capital um, through those conversations what we actually started identifying was that there was a, um, a huge appetite from our existing network of lawyers that work on our platform and that know us on more of a broader extended network basis that actually really authentically believed in our vision and our story and wanted to be a part of it. So we started pivoting away from a more traditional kind of professional investor network, venture-oriented network, and started looking um, at exploring this interest from our lawyer network. And um, that has evolved into the lawyer round. And, uh, you know, we're actively marketing and, and closing on investments from lawyers that are, you know, they are users of our business. So it's, uh, you know, strategically, we love it. We love being able to tell that story. Um, in a lot of ways, we were inspired by a similar story from um, some business, uh, business owners, startup founders that we've met, like uh, the Rocket Doctor guys. Rocket Doctor raised uh, capital um, from the physicians that practice in their network. And in a lot of ways, their business model looks similar to ours, um, you know, this online marketplace of, of physicians. And uh, as we started hearing those stories of, you know, other companies and startups that have done it, you know, again, credit to those guys for sharing that story and building in public because that, you know, helped inspire us. And then, you know, testing the waters and, and getting great feedback and, and uh, authentic interest from our network, that's the direction that we've moved. Um, you know, we're 
always kind of in networking and storytelling and pitching mode with the professional investor network. Um, building these types of businesses when you're trying to you know grow and scale and and do something really exciting it's capital intensive and so you know it may not be that we're raising professional uh, venture capital money today but we certainly will be in our story so we're always planting seeds with with those investors and so you're planting seeds what's next for good lawyer yeah one year two years well our core focus now is uh, really nailing our distribution. And so, you know, I've talked to lots of startups this week, and I think this is sort of the, the secret sauce for, for anybody and founder that's in this space that's looking to grow. It's how do we take our initial early traction in sales? How do we operationalize that, um, do it in a really cost-effective way, and then just pour gasoline on, on that machine over and over and over. We have some theories, you know, a hypothesis that we're, we're testing this summer. Um, we're pretty bullish on it. We're getting great support from um, some organizations. Um, you know, one that I haven't mentioned that I, I think I absolutely uh, need to is that, you know, we participated in the first batch, the first cohort of businesses that went through the Global 500 program. Mm-hmm. A lot of bodies here in the Alberta government and tech ecosystem worked hard to bring Global 500 and these other accelerated programs to the province to help mentor businesses like ours. We got tremendous value out of that um, program, and that helped really um, solidify some of these theories that we have around growth. Um, We are participating in um, another growth accelerator program at the moment. Again, you know, leveraging and, and leaning on support from some of these other institutions. So growth is the key focus on, on the demand side. Um, we're also really excited about continuing to develop and improve the technology side of our product. So more automation for um, standardized, uh, more process-based legal services. So I mentioned entity formation some trademark type searching and stuff like that um, wherever we can implement technology to improve the process and bring the cost down we're looking to do that Um, improving the overall kind of look feel user interface of of what we're doing Um, you know I think we're going to be pretty slick uh, in the next few years as we continue to do this absolutely Um, this is I don't even know if you can even talk about this or um, if you have any experience in this but we interviewed a gentleman named Cowboy Smith with Nexusverse and he told me the story about how in in California they had their first NFT for um, selling a house oh cool and my mind was just like you can do that that is so cool. Is this something that you've heard of before? Like, this seems unheard of. Like, I I can't even imagine that happening in Alberta anytime soon. Fundamentally, the way I understand that space, whether it's, you know, I think it essentially sort of blockchain and application in the legal context, um, I understand the concept really described as smart contracts, and it's mm-hmm. really about this kind of, as I understand it, co-mingling of technology and code writing. 
and you know a legal contract. So you take today what you know you and I would be familiar with in terms of a, a paper-based legal contract for the purchase of the product or a delivery of services. And what you're doing is you're converting that standard paper document into a code-based contract. And uh, the sort of total um, value proposition of converting from paper-based to code-based is that um, the conditions precedent and the execution and delivery of the obligations under uh, the paper agreement get codified in technology so that, you know, if part A happens, then part B must happen, then part C must happen. And you sort of trigger that chain mm-hmm. uh, through the technology and, you know, this smart contract uh, fulfills itself. So really important for things like payment obligations. Mm-hmm. You know, you could put money in into uh, escrow for the delivery of, you know, this service or this product or in the case of a home, home sale, uh, you know, you've got the purchase price sitting in this sitting in the escrow and then you know you've you've uh, satisfied the conditions you've done the final inspection that might be you know part a and then you know the the cadence and the sequence of delivering the funds flows automatically from there you know you you're not relying on human intervention at that point yeah this stuff is really awesome um one last question what does inventors mean to you Oh, well, this has been extremely exciting, and I've uh, mentioned it to as many of your colleagues as I can. And, uh, you know, the volunteers wearing the, the shiny blue sweaters, uh, to just say it's been, it's really impressive. I think a great product that, that is rolled out here at Adventures. Um, this is the first tech conference that I've been a part of, um, and I've I've been really blown away and encouraged by it. Um, Super exciting. Shift can be found online at shift.albertainnovates.ca or email us at shift at albertainnovates.ca. On behalf of everyone here, I'm John. Until next time, have a great day.